Turn with me in your Bibles to Job, Job chapter 9. Here's what is going to happen tonight. I'm going to let you know what's going to happen in the altar call right away. So there's no, there's no confusion as to what the Lord wants for us tonight. The end of this service, the end of this message, I should say, the gift of healing is going to come into this room. We already can feel the witness of the Holy Ghost here. But God's going to begin to heal the inside of your heart and of your mind. And the witness of the healing that's going to take place here tonight is not going to be crutches on the stage or a wheelchair memorialized in the foyer that's never used. It's going to be five years from now and you're still serving God. You're still married. You still have a ministry. The hey, You're not cynical. You're not jaded because today... The word of the Lord, not because I'm here, but because Jesus is here. The word of the Lord is going to spark revelation in your spirit. And when you get a hold of it, the Lord Jesus is going to confirm his word with a sign that he's going to come in this room and he is going to heal your heart. He is going to touch your mind. He's going to minister to your soul. If you are anticipating a move of the Holy Ghost here tonight, I want you one more time to lift your hands and your voice to Jesus. <coughs> Praise you God. Praise you God. Praise you God. Praise you God. Hallelujah. With that in mind, let's go to the book of Job. Verse 1 and verse 2, then 10 through 16. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, Then Jesus, this story, then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so. But how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. If I got into a, a debate with God, not only is winning an impossibility, but even being able to answer back. And then he goes, he goes, he does great things past finding out, yes, wonders without number. If he goes by me, I don't see him. If he moves past, I don't perceive him. If he decides to take away from my life, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him. And if that's the case, pride here is not those that are arrogant are lifted up, but it's the strong, the mighty. And if the strongest among us cannot stand in God's presence, he says, how then can I answer him and choose my words to reason with him? For though I were righteous, I could not answer him. I would beg mercy of my judge if I called and God even answered me. I would not believe he was listening to my voice. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach to you on this subject. The void between God and me. Let's pray. Jesus, you're here with us, God. Lord, I'm here, Lord, to present your word. And then your word is going to do the work, not my preaching or my oratory ability, but the power 
that is already in your word. And Lord, as people respond with faith, God, revelation is going to come into this room. And we're going to see you differently. We're going to see ourselves differently. And God, there's going to be healing. There's going to be a renewal of faith. Move, I pray, in this house tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Job has suffered just about more than any other person in the whole of Scripture. He's lost everything. His money is gone. He's in financial ruin. His businesses are gone. His future has disappeared. His family is gone. And it's all been ripped from him suddenly and violently. And I know those of us that have been in the church for a long time, we are familiar with this story. Though, in my experience, we are familiar only with very small portions of it. But have you ever stopped and considered what it would have been like to have been Job? Because the tragedies that took place in Job's life did not happen over a lifetime, but they were compressed in a matter of moments. His business, theft and natural disaster, everything that he had worked so hard to build his entire life is annihilated in a matter of moments. Servants, people that he had worked with, that had labored beside him to build his empire, are trampled, murdered, stabbed, and beaten to death by bandits. People that he'd employed for years. He had been tasked with feeding their families. He had taken care of their children. He had trained them and equipped them, are now all dead. And then finally, every parent's worst nightmare the trauma of pulling the torn and crushed bodies of his own children from the rubble of a family home. There were no first responders. There were, there were no fire trucks. There were no police officers in yellow caution tape to hold Job at bay and say, Job, you really don't want to see this. No, the, pers- the person arriving at the scene that day when that house collapsed and seeing the tragedy unfold in real time was not a disinterested yet well-trained third party, but it was Job himself, a lifetime of trauma compressed into a very short period of time. He's now impoverished and he's scraping the infection from his boils, sitting in a pile of ashes and he's crying. His head is spinning. What's happened to me? Is this... Is this real life? Is this a a dream? Where is God? Why won't God help me? And as he sits in shock... The shock gives way to this deep and abiding sadness. The worst friends in the world come over to say, hey. I don't know, like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, I'm too sensitive. But if I was in the hospital covered in open sores and you showed up, Pastor Matt, and you saw me and the first thing you did was burst into tears 
at how ugly I looked and then broke out a guitar and for three days would lament and sing about how awful. Well, I just sat there waiting for all of it to stop. That's not a great friend, but this is what they do. They come over, they cry, they weep, they lament, and then they put down the guitar and one by one they line up and begin to point their finger and accuse him. But what he must have done to deserve what kind of punishment, what sin had he committed, how had he grieved God? Because surely nobody who's holy would ever suffer like this. That brings us to our text. Job is overwhelmed. He is this a wall of emotion. He responds overwhelmed by their accusations. And in Job 9, 1 through 2, Job just, I want you to hear the heartbreak. Don't rush through these words. Just truly, I know it's so. <clears throat> but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him. One time out of a thousand. Who can debate God? Who can stand in the praises of God? Who can make their case? I know you're accusing me. I understand that I am innocent. But surely God's got to be involved in some part of this. But who am I? to Say one thing back. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without number. If he goes by me, I do not perceive him. If he takes away, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud will fall prostrate beneath him. How then can I answer him and choose my words to reason with him for though I were righteous I could not answer him I would beg mercy of my judge if I called and he answered me I would not believe he was even listening to my voice Job right here in the front lawn of his house he breaks into this practical philosophical wondering about divine incomprehensibility he says how can a human being really know God in short he's saying there is a void there is a void between God and me a vast dark and empty space separates us God is so large he says He's the creator of the universe. His movements are imperceivable to me. God's so big and I'm so small that if God were to start moving around me right now, how would I even understand? He's there. He says, when God is mad, only the strong lay fades down in the dirt. And if the strong can't resist him, how can I answer him? I am clearly fragile. Look at how I've been reduced to nothing so quickly. The void between who I am in my weakness and who God is in His greatness is an uncrossable emptiness that I cannot begin to fathom. Job describes God's power as an omnipotent force that shakes the earth and darkens the stars and hides the sun and disappears the mountains. And then he says in the text, in the process... Of God punishing the wicked. 
His boot is so big that sometimes us little people, Job says, get caught up as he presses that wrath down to earth. How can a God like this understand a guy like me? How in the world can a God as unfathomably vast and omnipotent as he is possibly identify with me? See, Job's questions are not one of cognition. He's not wondering if God doesn't have the ability to Google his address. They are questions of empathy. I mean, he knows me, but does he know what it is like to be me? God can't get tired. God can't get sick. God can't get crushed by life. God can't get beaten down by natural disasters. God is not, nor has ever been weak. And So how in the world... Can he identify with me? And if we're honest here tonight, if we're being real here tonight, I know we clapped on the two and the four, what most of us did, and I know that we sang all of the, maybe the right notes, and we waved our hands at all of the right moments, but Job's question is just as much yours as it is his. Job's plea is our plea. You may not have lost your kids to an earthquake, but you've lost them to the world. You may not have pulled your kids from the rubble of an actual collapsed home, but they're trapped under the rubble of sin. <coughs> you may not have lost, you may not have lost a spouse to a natural disaster, but maybe you've lost a parent. Maybe you've lost a, a mother or a father to sickness. Or maybe they're in a home right now as dementia begins to rip away the last shred of their memories of you. You may not have had bandits steal your sheep, but inflationary pressures and the pandemic. And maybe even a divorce has robbed you of your job or of your career or of your future. Maybe you haven't watched your, the crops that you've worked hard for on your farm evaporate. But the chaos of life has left you shaken to your core. And like Job, the losses that I feel the Holy Ghost, the losses you have suffered have left you with a deep and an abiding sadness that you cannot shake. And I know you look good. I know you sang good. I know you clapped at all the right moments. But in your heart, there is a questioning like Job, God, do you see me? Do you care? Do you understand, not, not a theology lesson, but do you identify with where my life really is? <clears throat> Job says, I tell God this, I tell God that. I'd set him straight here, I'd set him straight there, but what's the use? I can't even stand in his presence, let alone correct his work in my life. And his cry crescendos in verse 32 and 33 of Job chapter 9. She cries out, for he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him 
or that we may go together, nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. As he walks through the incomprehensibility of the vast omnipotence of God, he gets to his end of his plea to his friends. He lifts his voice. In my mind, I can see it. I can see it as he sits in the rubble of his front yard. Tears streaming down his face. His heart broken. His faith in God shattered. Only, if only, God were a man like me, I could stand before him. If the imperceivable, all-powerful God were to somehow become a man like me, he'd know. He'd know. And I could make my case. Only if only I had a mediator with one hand on heaven and another hand on earth. One hand on God and another hand on my suffering. That he could bridge the gap between us. If there was somebody that could cross the chasm. Somebody that could bring God and I together. The dread of him would no longer terrify me. But what Job did not know was that as he cried out. There was a mediator coming and from this pain poured forth prophecy and thousands of years later the cry of Job was answered because the apostle Paul would write there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus clap your hands to the Lord hallelujah God, as a man, is the answer to the broken cry of Job and the cry of every human being that wants to see God move in their life but is not sure if God knows where they are. Jesus Christ is one foot in heaven and another foot in human suffering. The man Christ Jesus bridged the gap. He closed the void by shedding his blood on the cross. Do you understand? I know this is a wonderful group of people and you have heard this marvelous revelation for years and years but do you understand the real life impact of this glorious doctrine God has moved into the human race and he has permanently attached himself to humanity Jesus Christ is God become a human being God took all of his glory. He took all of his person. He took all of his characteristics. He took his mind, his will, his intellect, his emotions, and it became a human being. That's why John would write in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. But then we get to that verse 14. That says in the word. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glorious of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. John is writing to Jewish people that believed that the glory of God was found in a building that the glory of God was accessible only by one special man from one special family and everybody else had to stand on the outside and they had to peer in because they were too broken they were too small they were too sinful to have access to the person of God but John says no the glory of heaven has moved into the human race dwelt among us dwelt among us literally means moved into the neighborhood Jesus Christ his God moved into the human neighborhood as oneness Pentecostals we are absolutely correct that Jesus is the almighty God Isaiah 9 6 says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace and Matthew 28 18 Jesus came and spake to them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth Jesus is the almighty God all power is subject to him he is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. I've traveled the world and I have watched witches fall down under the glory of God. My wife is a cancer survivor because God miraculously healed her body. There is no name that is higher. There is no name that is greater. There is no name that is stronger than the name of Jesus. But oneness, apostolic people, my family, as we celebrate that all things are under his feet. As we celebrate the divinity of Jesus, the other side of the beauty of this revelation means that we cannot neglect the humanity of Jesus incarnated in flesh means human identity not just a human body Jesus is more than God in a human shell he is God personified as a human person what makes you a human is more than just meat and bone what makes you a human is more than just ribs it's more than just organs and if God's going to be able to take your place if he's going to pay your debt and be your sacrifice he had to be mind, soul, body completely human Jesus did not have a separate identity from God but humanity and deity came together 
He was both human and divine in his spirit. That's why the author of Hebrews can say about the man Christ Jesus who being the brightness of his glory the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. If you want to understand what the incomprehensible God is like look no further than Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is look no further than Jesus. Jesus is God become approachable. Jesus is God moved into the human race when you could not get to God. When your sin was too vast. When your brokenness was too profound. God said you can't get to me but I can get to you. God took all that he is. God took his heart incarnated it to this real human man the beauty of the incarnation it's not that God looked like a man in Christ Jesus not that God appeared to be a man in Christ Jesus but that God became a man in Christ Jesus just like me just like you yet entirely without sin here's my message tonight Jesus Christ is the answer to Job's cry if only God were a man like me I could stand before him and I could look God in the face to every broken person in this room God became a man just like you Jesus was human he needed when he prayed he wasn't pretending he needed to pray because he had been dealing with people all day long he was human just like us yet without sin Jesus is the empathy of God displayed See, sympathy, sympathy says I feel bad. Sympathy is when I'm over here in my place of privilege and I see you in your place of suffering and my heart is moved and I feel, oh, look at that person down there. They're so sad. Their life is so pitiful. Their life is so rough. I wish I could help them, but empathy and compassion is something completely different. It is far deeper. It goes beyond just saying I feel bad and somebody should do something about it, but empathy says I'm going to leave where I am and I am going to wade into the muck into the drama into the brokenness of those who are suffering and I'm going to walk a mile in their shoes I'm going to feel their pain I'm going to feel their hurt that's why Jesus is the empathy of God because Jesus it's God come to where you are. Remember the cry of Job. I want you to listen to the cry of the Messiah on the cross. In Psalm 22, as David through the eyes of prophecy saw Jesus on the cross, he embodying the Messiah's voice began to write in verses 1 through 8, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? 
Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and not silent. You see the parallel with Job. Job saying, God, I have no idea where you are. You've turned your back on me. You've walked away from me. You don't understand who I am. You are so holy. You are so high. How could you even begin to understand my pain? And the man Christ Jesus is hanging naked on the cross. And as he feels the weight of sin upon him, and as he feels the weight of your brokenness he cries out and he says God you have forsaken me but you are holy and thrown in the praises of Israel our fathers trusted you they trusted and you delivered them they cried and were delivered they trusted in you and were not ashamed but I'm a worm makes us feel uncomfortable sometimes to talk about Jesus like this This is Jesus on the cross. And the psalmist, in the words of the Messiah, is saying, you helped other people. You came through for other people. You rescued other people. Why not me? You ever been there? You ever had a doctor's appointment on Monday morning and they paraded the groups of people that had been healed and your lump is still there, your chronic pain is still there, you still take a handful of pills every morning just to stay alive. You hear about the miracles that God's done in every other house and in every other home, but you're still struggling and you're still, and you've wondered, God, you did this for other people. They were not ashamed, but here I am. What about me? Jesus continues. I'm a reproach of men. Despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me and they shoot up the lip. They shake their head. He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him. Since he delights in him. If you're so spiritual, why is your life so messed up? Jesus, I'm poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's earth. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. This is our Jesus. Jesus is the answer of prayer of everyone who knows they need God but feel like God's too far away to understand what they're going through. Jesus knows what it is like to be you. Yes, you, Jesus, understands to everyone here that is burnt out, that is struggling, that is broken. The God who neither slumbers nor sleeps walks into the human race and he's so exhausted he falls asleep in the bottom of a boat to every person that's I feel the Holy Ghost right now to every person that has so much stress in your life that you go through every day exhausted and you wonder when it's going to end and you feel like God if you only knew how bad this was God knows how bad life can get 
himself. The one whose glory is so profound that angels cover their faces. Accepted the kiss of a betrayer. One of his own disciples. If you have been hurt, I'm reaching for somebody. I have no idea who this is, but you're involved in ministry. You have got a call of God on your life, but you feel like you have been betrayed by your own brothers. God spoke to me as this worship service was going forward and said there is someone that will be in this room that they have faced the kiss of betrayal. They have had people stab them in the back. They have had people that they have trusted betray their trust. They have had people turn their backs on them. And God, they're wondering if you get what it is like to be like them and to feel this despised and to feel this rejected, to feel like the people that used to believe in you, used to love you, used to have your back, used to give you accolades, are now whispering gossip behind you, have now thrown you under the bus and you feel like your life's been put on hold and your life's been put on pause. I'm here to let you know Jesus understands he is not at arm's length. <clears throat> you had bad people say things about your family. People make comments about your neighborhood. Do you have family shame? This is where it gets real. Do you have family shame? You have people that have second-guessed you because of who your parents were or the town you lived in or the school you went to or the country you come from. Jesus is out here healing the sick and raising the dead. And people are looking at him going, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Is there anyone here that is feeling the pinch of this current economic situation? If you are here and you're trying to pay your rent and you're coming to church and you're saying, God, you know my back's up against the wall. Do you feel this? Do you understand? God, do you know what it's like to struggle to be without well the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills said foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head the one with no beginning and the one with no ending took stripes on his back and he felt the creeping sting of death. Jesus suffered so much that Isaiah would write. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was 
wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I am preaching to somebody here tonight. Piano player, come help me to get closed. You never have to wonder, God, do you see me? God, do you know me? God, do you understand me? You never have to lie awake at night and not wonder if you do not have a God that is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. You never, no matter what you go through, no matter what you go through, you never have to question, does God know how I feel? Does God understand my hurt? And as a result of a God that has moved into the human neighborhood and experienced the totality of the human experience. Hebrews writes, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in our time of need because you serve a God who knows what it is like to be you you can come boldly you don't have to shrink back from pouring out your heart you do not have to hide who you are you don't have to bury your struggles your worries your anxieties you can cast them upon God for he cares for you so many people wear masks to church in fact I'd, I'd gather There's a whole bunch of people with some on right now. That if I came and we'll get to it this weekend, and I said, everybody, let's shout. I've been doing this long enough to know whew, we could have that killer opening night. People be running around the room. And you'd be too. You'd be two. But then you'd go home. You'd pull your fake church mask off. And you'd toss and turn all throughout the night. Because you and God have yet to have a conversation about your disappointment with Him. Because you and God have yet to have a conversation about why you're upset as to why life has turned out this way. God is here today to deal with your actual real life. At the beginning of this Fresh Fire Conference, yes, the miracles are going to flow. Yes, the power is going to fall. And on Sunday night, we're going to rejoice and we're going to walk out of here victorious. But if we're going to get there, God doesn't just want your praise, but He wants your pain too. He said, if you come boldly, 
you'll find grace. This message, this message is not like a sermon I just threw together because I needed something to say. This message comes from my personal devotional time with God where it was a Friday afternoon and I had just finished lying on my back screaming as sometimes preachers do on the weekend, God give me a word. And I was overwhelmed. Pastor Woodward, I'm going to be honest with you, I I didn't have anything because I was dealing with hurt. I had been hurt in the kingdom. I had had people say things about me, broke my heart. And I'm at my desk and I'm trying to get a word to deliver to God's incredible people. And I feel like I'm wrestling with bitterness and with anger and with resentment. The reason why I was struggling so much was because I didn't want to feel this way. I felt like Job in that moment. I was haunted by the notion, you're a preacher, you shouldn't struggle. You're a man of God, shake this off and move on. You got people that need you. You just shake this off and you move on. And I'm sitting at my desk and I'm trying to type out very good sermon notes. But my eyes are being clouded with tears because I can't shake this off. I find myself in Job 9. I found myself echoing, God, if you knew, God, if you only knew, and I felt the voice of God slamming in my heart. See, I know what it's like to be you. I know what it feels like to be a human. I was hurt. I was betrayed, I was rejected, I was despised. I understand the difficulty of living in this frail world, dealing with the frailty of the human experience. But Adam, I overcame, and if I overcame, not by your might, not by your power, but by the Spirit of a God that has walked a mile in your shoes, you can overcome. See, grace is when you're overwhelmed and God pulls you out. Grace is when Jesus wades into the mess of your life. Grace is when you're trying to get over a betrayal that is years old. That God comes into a moment, into a service like this and He heals your mind. Grace is when the love the compassion of God mixes with his authority from heaven and comes crashing into your soul. I've come to preach to somebody on this first night. God is not far from you. God is not far from your struggle. God is not far from your pain. God is not far from your heartbreak. God is not far from your sleepless nights. God is not far from your stress. God is not at arm's length judging you because you came to church and you're trying so hard to worship. He's here tonight and he says you can cast your cares upon him.
cast your worry. You can cast your fear. You can cast your struggles. You can cast your doubts. You can cast your wounds because God cares for you. If you've messed up, you can come to this altar and find mercy. If you are hurting, you can come to this altar and you can find mercy. If your marriage is stressed and strained, you can come to this altar and you can find hope and you can find mercy. I'm reaching not just for leaders, but I'm reaching for families in this room that are overwhelmed by the stress of life and you've come to God tonight looking for an answer, looking for a miracle, looking for a change and you feel like God's walked away. No, He's not walked away. It's time for all of us in this room get real in the presence of God and let God come and sweep into your soul sweep into your mind and begin to move and heal and restore and if we could stand to our feet all over this room I know I know this may not have been what you expected I'll say again what the Lord put in my heart this afternoon in prayer. There are people in this room that you have come believing that God wanted your praise, but He didn't want to see your pain. There are people in this room that you're like Job. You'd say, God, I tell you this, I tell you that. Will you finally go ahead? You've got a God in this room who loves you and he is tired of watching you carry a burden in your life by yourself because you think that somehow that he wants to shun your brokenness and your wounds and your frailty. No, the healing power of the Holy Ghost is in this room. If you would just let your heart be open in the presence of the Lord. God's looking for abuse victims to say, God, I need you to heal this in my heart. God's looking for people that their mom or their dad abandoned them as a kid and they still live with that hanging over their head to bring their parents divorce to God and say God will you touch me will you heal me so as they get ready to begin to sing I'm looking for people that know that they need to get real with God they've got brokenness in their life they haven't brought to Jesus yet I know this may not be for everybody but I'm looking for people right now that you've got some disappointments you've got some regrets you've got some brokenness and I want you to come to this altar right now I don't want you to care who looks who sees or who knows 
but I want you to bring every last burden every last little bit of pain and understand that you serve a God that has crossed the void. You serve a God that has walked a mile in your shoes. You serve a God that understands betrayal, that understands hurt, that understands brokenness, that understands the cruel words of people who mean evil. God understands. I'm reaching right now for a minister or someone who serves God that you have felt the kiss of betrayal and you felt your life's been on hold and you're wondering why you're out of the will of God you're not out of the will of God you are walking exactly where God has you come on call out call out as they begin to sing Hatasayasa.